Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. The ocean off the coast of Los Angeles has something lurking in its waters. When they started looking at the body, they realized that he had been shot. To get to the truth, investigators and prosecutors will have to pull out a variety of weapons in their arsenal. They had to learn about oceanography and meteorology. A lot of science was coming together here to explain what happened to him. It's almost like you're doing a weather forecast in hindsight. But is it enough to catch a killer? Ocean currents played a specific and, and crucial role in this investigation. These are the kinds of cases that don't come along often. Just 20 miles off the coast of Long Beach, California, lies Santa Catalina Island, a picturesque paradise known as the Island of Romance. It's a quiet little island, great for walking, good bars and restaurants, nice yacht harbor, and it, it's like an hour boat ride from, from LA, so just very pretty. And the practically perfect weather draws crowds from far and wide, with over a million tourists each year. It's very temperate. It doesn't get too hot in the summer. It doesn't get too cold in the winter. It's a really mild climate. You're going to typically get air temperatures somewhere in the upper 60s and lows in the upper 50s at night. The weather is some of the best in the United States. And the water off Catalina Island is among the warmest, averaging 68 degrees in the summer, thanks to the natural churn of the current. The ocean water stirs vertically, so you get the cooler water beneath the surface moving upward, you get the warmer water at the surface moving down, and that keeps the water temperature fairly stable throughout the year. It's the weather that seduces a lot of people. For people who live in Los Angeles and for the tourists who are lucky enough to know about it, once you're here, it's hard to leave. And in the summer of 2006, the weather around the island is about to play a major role in one of the biggest homicide cases ever to hit this close to shore. The Los Angeles Sheriff's Office receives a call from concerned friends of a 58-year-old man named Stephen B. Williams. I had tried to call him regularly. It finally went about a week and a half where I hadn't heard from him. It was very unlike Stephen to have silence for that length of time. Stephen's friends got so concerned that they decided they needed to report it to the police. Three of us were in communication about it, and so we did file a missing persons report. Something was seriously wrong. Stephen B. Williams was born in May 1947 to loving parents in San Francisco, California. 
His father served in the military while his mother raised both Stephen and his older sister, Jan. His dad was in the Air Force, had moved around several times. They'd been at different Air Force bases, so you know he was an Air Force brat. But it didn't matter where he was. People were drawn to Stephen. Stephen was the life of the party. You know, he was walking charisma, fun-loving, very optimistic. And it's just nice having people with that kind of positive energy around you. He had a great sense of humor, uh, just a, a brilliant sense of humor. And he had a great way of making fun of himself. Uh, he was always the butt of his own jokes. In 1967, Stephen's father retired from the military and bought a house in Corona Del Mar in Southern California. His father went to work for North American Rockwell there, so that became home for Stephen after he graduated high school. With his outgoing personality, Stephen was destined for great things. And during the early 1970s, he had the opportunity to move to Hawaii for work. Stephen was hired as a disc jockey for a local Honolulu radio station. And he did that for several years. He became sort of a big deal on Hawaii radio. So much so that his profile allowed him to move from Hawaii to bigger markets. He left Hawaii and moved to Colorado. He started doing a two-man show with his newsman, this guy named Don Hawkins. And they just played off of each other very well. They're both great writers, great comedians. And now it's time for Mr. Rambo's Neighborhood. This is a beauty day in the neighborhood. Beauty day for a neighbor, if you're not mine, if you're not my neighbor. Yo, hey, so... They had a radio show called Stephen B. and the Hawk, and they were the voice of the Rockies in the Denver area. They were credited with pioneering the morning zoo radio format. But while in Colorado, Stephen's mother sadly passed away from MS. That kind of drove him to take on new challenges, just anything that he could do to expand. During his broadcast career, Stephen worked at 13 stations across Hawaii, Colorado, and San Francisco. Well, my name is Stephen B. Williams, and it all started when I was just a child. My father would take me swimming, but sometimes it was hard getting out of the bag. But let's move forward. Yet despite his success, in 2001, he decided to settle back close to home. He had moved to Southern California to be a little bit closer to his dad. He had a studio down there, so he's doing voice work. But soon, Stephen started to realize that his radio career was ending and switched gears altogether. The radio disc jockey was becoming a thing of the past, and he saw this as an opportunity to transition to something that he loved just as much in the culinary arts. He was always a foodie. He always liked to cook. Uh, he was a great chef, always appreciated good wine. He met someone who offered him an opportunity to go up to Napa and work at the winery. And he said, that's it. My career in radio is over. I am now going to go into the wine industry. That fall, Stephen moved to Napa Valley. He moved up into wine country, and he started to learn how to cook and pair wines. But on July 18, 2003, just as Stephen's newfound career was taking off, tragedy struck for a second time when his father passed away and Stephen slumped into a depression. He was disillusioned with his career. He was just at a point of, of just general disillusionment with the world around him. 
Despite their heartbreaking loss, Stephen and his sister inherited assets that totaled more than $2 million. The house in Corona del Mar had a tremendous amount of value, and his father had a lot of stocks. He had savings, personal savings. He had retirement money set aside. So there's a guy who just planned well for his life. With a seven-figure bank account at age 56, Stephen Williams was seemingly prepared for an early retirement. But now, just three years later, he's vanished into thin air. LA detectives now have a missing persons report on their hands under some suspicious circumstances. These are the kinds of cases that don't come along often. Did Stephen take his money, cut ties, and start a new life somewhere else? Or did something more sinister happen? The weather is about to lead police to the answer. Weather patterns can really help to bring evidence to light that otherwise would have been lost. And a horrific discovery. I was crushed. This is a guy who I'd known for 35 years. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. In May 2006, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is looking into missing 58-year-old Stephen B. Williams. He was a beloved radio DJ for years, but then he suspiciously vanishes three years after inheriting his father's multi-million dollar estate in 2003. No one had seen him for almost two weeks. As the investigation ramps up, 
Detectives question Stephen's inner circle about his recent past. Close friends of Stephen said he was emotionally depressed when his father passed away. And he had financial matters that he had no idea how to begin to go about handling. And the money put him in a worse place than he was before. We tried to help him, you know, with some ideas about getting things organized, about how he could manage the trust. He was having a hard time coming up with a path for himself. But police learned from his friends that in the summer of 2003, his problems seemed to drift away when a mutual friend introduced him to a 52-year-old man named Harvey Morrow. Harvey was living in the San Pedro area at the time. He said he was a retired investment banker, that he was very wealthy, that he had just bought this old yacht. He was going to renovate it over time and eventually sail around the world, that he was living a life of leisure. They tell police that originally from New York, Harvey claimed that he had an incredible success in the stock market to the tune of $38 million. Harvey said, hey, you know, I'm retired, I'm independently wealthy, I'm an expert, this is what I do for people. Harvey told Stephen, hey, listen, I know we just met, but if you ever need any help, any help at all, give me a call, and I'll be glad to come down and help you get your affairs in order. And Stephen said, please come on down and help me out. Stephen's friends say that in early 2004, Harvey helped Stephen prepare his father's property for the market. And in February of that year, the house sold for $1.83 million. And after that, Harvey became Stephen's financial advisor. Harvey and Stephen became fast friends, even subletting a cliffside residence for 18 months in San Pedro, around 40 miles northwest of Corona del Mar. Harvey got immersed into the financial documents property records, stocks, whatever it was of value, sorted it all out. And then he said to Stephen, what you want to do is you want to put this money offshore. I'll put it into an account. And then once it's there, I'll start to bring it back in and give it to you. From there, the two began discussing a new business idea surrounding Harvey's 68-foot luxury yacht. Harvey found out Stephen loved to cook. And he said, hey, listen, once I get my yacht completed, how about we sail around the world? I'll hire you as my cook. They were going to just take off and enjoy, you know, life on a sailboat in the Caribbean in warm water. It was just kind of a neat experience for him, just something different, something fun. The two even ended up living on the boat to oversee the upgrades. Harvey told Stephen that as soon as the repairs were made, they would be ready to sail. They were focused most on cosmetics. They replaced the teak decks. They put a washer and dryer in it, even a fireplace. All the amenities to just go out and have a great sailing adventure. With such a grandiose plan set in motion, Stephen's friends wondered why he would suddenly disappear. They tell police that they turned to Harvey for answers. I called Harvey, you know, and I said, hey, I haven't heard from Stephen. What the hell is going on? A day or two later, Harvey called me back, and he said, have you heard from Stephen yet? And when he called, right, just the tone of his voice let me know that, that this, something was seriously wrong. 
It's the start of another perfect day with temperatures in the 60s and a cool breeze coming off the Pacific when a man out on his boat comes across something horrific in the water. He spotted a bunch of seagulls and other birds apparently eating on something in the water. So he cruises over and right away, you know, he notices that this is no shark and this is not a big fish, this is a person. He immediately reported it to the sheriff's department on the island. Sheriffs arrive quickly to the scene and confirm it's a human body, but can't be sure how long it's been there. It had obviously been in the water for some period of time. The body was so badly decomposed that it was unrecognizable, but it was remarkably intact. Bodies break down more slowly in water than in open air, but other factors can come into play. You can have changes in temperature that would impact the rate of decomposition of a body, making it slower or faster. Because the weather in Southern California is consistently mild, the water stays relatively warm. On May 18th, the sea surface temperature was around 65 degrees. On average, decomposition rates increase with warmer temperatures. There was decomposition, but there wasn't that level of marine life pecking away at the body that you would expect in shallower, warmer water. Which made police believe the body hadn't been in the water long. Based off the clothing, they assume it's a male. The way the body was dressed, he had on a jogging suit of some sort, he had shoes on. It's not somebody who had been in a bathing suit, went for a swim and got in trouble. There was no wallet or anything, nothing that could help them identify who the body could be. Police assume the man may have accidentally drowned. You could speculate that maybe this person fell off of a boat. It may have been someone who committed suicide. There was nothing obvious that would tell them it was anything other than a drowning. Authorities hope an autopsy will shed some light. You have a body in the middle of the water, and you don't know where it came from or how it got there. It makes it very difficult for them to investigate. As investigators work to ID their John Doe, the wind and currents off the island are about to provide answers to this mysterious death. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. 
Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Three years after coming into a multi-million dollar inheritance, Stephen B. Williams has vanished. Four days after his friends filed a missing persons report, a body has been found off the coast of Catalina Island. Initially, authorities didn't know who the body was. It wasn't identifiable right away. The assumption was this was a drowning victim until there was an autopsy done. The accelerated decomposition has taken its toll due to the warm temperature of the water. But surprisingly, it's still intact how long the body was in the water, how fast are the decomposition rates. It's a missing piece of the puzzle in the investigation and how the weather can play a role in this case. As the coroner concludes his examination of the body, he confirms it is a male in his 50s, but it's clear this was no accidental drowning. After examining the head of the body, the coroner discovered a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. Right behind the right ear. It was an execution-style shooting. And the bullet was still inside. It was removed and it was determined to be a medium caliber, but it's often very difficult for a medical examiner or even a firearms expert to look at an expended bullet and tell you exactly what gun fired it. Detectives now have a cause of death, but still no idea who he is. They decide to turn to the public for help. That night, the story hits the airwaves, and luckily, investigators get a break. One of Stephen's friends saw the broadcast. Since Stephen was reported missing only four days earlier, his friend calls the coroner's office and urges them to check and see if it's him. There were some comparisons done using his dental records that confirmed it. The victim was Stephen B. Williams. When investigators notify those closest to Stephen, they are heartbroken. You know, I was crushed. This is a guy who I'd known for 35 years, who I never went more than a day without speaking to him. He was an important person in my life. With their missing persons case now a homicide investigation, police want to know who pulled the trigger. 
But they don't have much to go on. Without a crime scene, all investigators have is Stephen's body. While some investigators dig deeper into his world, others try to pinpoint where Stephen's body went into the water. Because of the currents around Catalina Island, detectives reach out to experts. Oceanography and meteorology, taken together as marine weather, can not only be used to track the drift of a floating object forward in time to find out where it's going, but also to backtrack it to find out where it came from. Currents are generated from the winds. The ocean currents, and in this case, the air currents above, were really swirling throughout the period. The way the currents move around that island is unique. The current tends to move in a swirling or cyclonic circular motion. This current turns east and then back northward up along the coast, forming a large gyre, a whirlpool-like motion of water called the Southern California Eddy. So that something that falls into the water behind the island, it could be brought back around to the front of the island. Experts believe the body was dumped on the backside of the island and brought around to the front by the wind pushing the current, where it was easily spotted. If the weather conditions had been different, the body could have gone out into the deep sea, never to have been seen again. In an attempt to build a timeline for when Stephen's body entered the water, CSI receives a clue from below the surface. A lot of science was coming together here to explain what happened to him. And detectives zero in on a possible suspect. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Investigators have found the body of Stephen B. Williams floating off the coast of Catalina Island in Southern California. Unfortunately, they're no closer to catching his killer. You have a body in the middle of the water and you don't know where it started out or how it got there. 
So it's very difficult to investigate those kinds of cases. Desperate for more clues, technicians decide to re-examine the clothing found on Stephen's body and discover a certain type of barnacle attached to his shoes. Hoping it might be able to tell them how long Stephen had been in the water, they bring in more experts. We had an expert from the Museum of Natural History examine the barnacles that were removed from his shoes Barnacles specific to Catalina Island waters grow at different rates based on the water temperature. Finding growth rates of barnacles and using it to determine how long something's been in the water is a pretty well-time-tested technique. Based on their size and development, they could opine how long the body was in the water. The expert places the body in the water for approximately 15 days compared to when his friends last heard from him. Police now have the safe assumption that Stephen's body entered the water sometime around May 4th. But he wasn't floating around that whole time. He had sunk for a period of time. When a body drowns, it does initially sink. But as it decomposes, gases build up inside the body. And that brings it back up to the surface. He was shot and killed, we believe, on May 4th. And his body was found on the 18th. So that would have been enough time for his body to sink in probably colder waters and deeper waters where there wasn't a lot of marine life, which explains why there wasn't that evidence on his body. And as it decomposed, it slowly started to come back up to the surface, where it got picked up by one of these cyclonic eddies, which brought the body back around the front of the island in the channel between the mainland and the island. Detectives now know how Stephen died and when and where he was put in the water. But two questions remain. Who would want the lovable DJ dead and why? Meanwhile, investigators questioning those closest to Stephen try and retrace his last steps. They interviewed his friends who told authorities. In the weeks of about a month leading up to Stephen's death, he had financial matters. He was running out of money. Uh, he couldn't pay his bills. Uh, I loaned him money three or four times just to kind of keep some cash in his pocket. I kept saying, what's Harvey doing to get your money back to you? And he says, Harvey's working on it. Harvey's got a plan. They just found it unreasonable that Stephen would have inherited $2 million and not have access to it. By early May, Stephen agreed with his friends that it was time for him to insist on having access to his money. I had gotten a message from Stephen saying, Harvey and I are going to take the boat out and go sail around the backside of Catalina. His friends say that the boat trip came and went, but soon Stephen stopped answering his phone. So they questioned Harvey. Stephen's friends gave conflicting accounts of what Harvey Morrow told them. He told some friends that Stephen had dropped his phone in the water, got upset, and just decided to take off and go to Mexico. I said, he went to Mexico? That doesn't make any sense. Knowing Stephen, if he dropped his phone, he'd take the bus to get to the store within 20 minutes to get a replacement. Another friend said, well, wait a minute. He told me that Stephen went to Hawaii. 
there were several things that just didn't hold together in that conversation. Detectives realized that Harvey Morrow may have been the last person to see Stephen alive. They decide to take a closer look at the investment banker and find some astonishing information. They place a call to the stock brokerage in New York where Harvey claimed he made his riches, but the chief operating officer says Harvey worked in human resources. Turns out, Harvey wasn't the millionaire investment guru that he claimed to be. We go back to early 2004, and we looked at their savings accounts. Harvey had $1,000 in the bank. Even though he's walking around the yacht club at the marina, wearing a fancy watch and a couple hundred dollar loafers, he had no dough. He had no money. Harvey Morrow was nothing more than a con man. It all turned out to be untrue. He was close enough to it that he knew the language of the industry. He looked the part. He was well-groomed, he was well-mannered, and he was well-read. I mean, he was straight out of central casting for an investment banker. So he was able to convince people he was who he said he was. It's clear that Harvey had no intentions of following through on his promises to Stephen. And a look at his bank records prove exactly why he was so eager to cozy up to the ex-DJ. The financial documents show that Stephen gave $2.5 million to Harvey. Harvey put it all offshore and then started bringing it back into the country in amounts smaller than $10,000 so it wouldn't have to be reported. And it all went back into his personal bank accounts. Adding insult to injury, Harvey had been using the money to repair and renovate his own yacht the entire time. Harvey Morrow is stealing the inheritance while maintaining this fake friendship with him, living with him, eating with him, drinking with him. That's a level of depravity that just isn't seen often. And we saw that in Harvey Morrow. To investigators, it's looking more and more like Harvey had the perfect motive for wanting Stephen out of the way, especially if he caught wind of what Harvey was really doing with his money. But they need proof, so they headed to the marina to speak with Harvey. The next day, police locate the yacht at the marina, but there's no sign of Harvey. He took off, which is a sure sign of guilt. Thankfully, investigators had enough probable cause to issue a search warrant for the boat. Police are hoping to find some kind of evidence of Stephen's murder on it. With a search warrant in hand, the LA County Sheriff's investigators scour Harvey's yacht for clues. One of the things they noted is that the boat was pristine. It was clean. There was no evidence that Stephen B. had ever lived on the boat. None of his belongings, as if he was just erased from the boat. They did a thorough search, and they didn't find anything. No blood, not the gun, no DNA, no fingerprints, nothing. But what they did find, but they didn't know what to make of it, was a manual for a GPS device, a Garmin. With a total lack of forensic evidence, police hope they can at least see where the boat had last been. But they didn't find the actual device. For all they knew, Harvey had the GPS with him on the run. 
But where would Harvey run? Now convinced they are hunting a cold-blooded murderer, the stakes are higher than ever to find Harvey Morrow. That's when the manhunt really began for Harvey. The clock is ticking to catch him before he can con again. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. In Los Angeles, California, police are looking for their number one suspect in the murder of Stephen B. Williams, Harvey Morrow, a man who stole all of Stephen's inheritance to refurbish his own vessel before skipping town. Police pull his bank and cell phone records to see if there is movement anywhere. We know from the records that he immediately left the marina and went to a bank where he had a safe deposit box. He took something out of that safe deposit box, then fled California. Harvey's cell phone records show that he left the LA area the day after the search on May 26, 2006, and headed to Vegas. Once it got to Nevada, he got rid of the phone, so his trail stops cold there, and it remained cold. There was a warrant in the system for his arrest but they were theorizing that Harvey most likely fled the country. And a quick look at Harvey's recent call law supports what they already suspect. A month leading up to Stephen's death, Harvey calls Stephen's phone 31 times. But there's not one phone call from Harvey to Stephen after the fourth when they believed he was killed. And that to me was just extraordinarily powerful. There's no reason to call a guy who you know is not going to answer the phone. For months, Harvey Morrow remains at large and is declared a fugitive. Everyone, including the FBI, is looking for him. It's kind of a waiting game at that point to see if they turn up. And in this case, you know, he did turn up.
That fall, the LA County Sheriff's Office receives an unexpected call from a car salesman out of Montana named Joe Parsetich. Joe Parsetich was working for a used car dealership. He was a retired police officer. And he has quite the story to tell. Well, I was working as a finance manager at a place called Pete's Auto Sales. And Harvey Morrill applied for a job as a salesman. He had a very strong professional presence about him, very smooth talker. He was hired on the spot. And he told the story of his life, how he was a financial guru and that he lived in Texas for a while and he was fairly wealthy. I asked him, why would you come to a place like Great Falls, Montana? That's when Harvey tells this incredible story of how his wife and some friends died at sea on their yacht. Horrific story. Like, extraordinarily horrific story. So unnecessary, too. He thought that he could tell anyone anything and convince them that it was true. He tells Joe that he wanted to get as far away from the water as he could. At first, when he told me his story, my heart went out to him. I felt very saddened about the loss of his wife. And Joe Parsetich, I don't know if it was the police officer in him or what, but he was thinking, wow, I'm going to look more into this. This sounds remarkable. So Joe looks up Harvey's name on the internet. When he's looking for articles about this terrible boat accident, and what he finds instead is someone named Harvey Morrow is wanted for murder in Los Angeles. He called the authorities in Los Angeles, and that's when the wheels got turning again. 11 days later, Los Angeles County detectives arrive in Great Falls and arrest Harvey Morrow. watched that interrogation, I saw exactly what I imagined he would be like. When's uh, the last time you had any contact with Stephen? I went fishing with a couple of guys for a weekend, and I saw him the week before that. Okay. And when you came back? He was gone. Did you ask any questions about where he was? No, he had been talking about going to Hawaii. He was calm. He was cool. He seemed smug, even. But you guys are going to go on around a trip around the world. He was going to be your chef. Right. Why would he all of a sudden just disappear and go to Hawaii? I don't know. I didn't see him a lot in, in, you know, the beginning of this year. I was gone a lot, so I don't know exactly what he was doing. Okay. He was entertaining their questions just enough to get as much information out of them as they were trying to get out of him. Tell me what's going on here. I'll tell you one just a couple other questions. Um, what, what eventually did Stephen do with his father's estate? Guys, if you don't tell me what's going to go on, I'm not going to answer any more questions. He's smart enough to know at some point he's just not going to be able to convince them. And it's in his best interest to just not say anything else. Following the interview, Harvey Morrow is extradited to California, where he is charged with first-degree murder and held without bail. But authorities fear they may not have a strong enough case for a conviction. The evidence that was collected up to that point was all circumstantial. But investigators are about to discover a new piece of weather evidence that could put Harvey Morrow away for good. 
Thanks to the partnership between winds and ocean currents, L.A. County detectives were able to locate the body of Stephen B. Williams two weeks after he was shot in the head and dumped in the Pacific. Weather can have such an impact on investigating a crime scene. Currents are generated from the winds. So when you come to appreciate the winds in this area being relatively mild, it has a considerable impact on the calm currents around the Catalina Island. If the ocean currents had been such that they carried the body out to sea, I think it's much more likely that law enforcement would have had difficulty locating the victim. But because they did, their investigation ultimately led to conman Harvey Morrow. As the state prepares for Harvey's trial, there's only one thing missing. Good, solid evidence that on the day Stephen went missing, Harvey and Stephen went out on a boat together to Catalina Island. That piece of physical evidence was missing. For months, investigators worked with prosecutors to strengthen their case until they finally catch a break. That winter, the commander of the yacht club where Harvey kept his boat stumbles upon something surprising. The commandant was at the yacht club, and they're doing some annual cleaning. He got into a cabinet, and he saw something wrapped up in the paper towel. He pulled it out, he opened it up, and he saw a Garmin GPS device. Harvey was known to spend a lot of time there, so he thought it may have some connection to Stephen Williams' death. He called detectives who came out and noticed that it was the same model number of the manual that they found on the boat. And when they powered it on, they found their smoking gun. The Garmin device showed there was a trip on May 4th that corresponded to the day Stephen B. told friends were taking a trip to Catalina. Police could see the boat departed from the same slip at the Cabrillo Marina where Harvey's yacht was docked. And once they cross-referenced the GPS information with Stephen and Harvey's cell phone records, it's a slam dunk. In October of 2011, five years after the murder of Stephen B. Williams, Harvey Morrow goes to trial for first-degree murder with special circumstances. Harvey Morrow, I'm convinced, was a sociopath, and this crime was all about greed. And I think all Stephen B. was to him in the end was a paycheck. The state says that Harvey manipulated Stephen out of his money after realizing he was grieving the loss of his father. That's the power of a con man. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are, a good con man will find your vulnerabilities and play upon it. Harvey Morrow was a sociopath and a con man and somebody who was incapable of empathy. They believe that Harvey never planned on sailing his boat anywhere or fixing it up. The reason he kept spending money on the boat is the boat was central to keeping Stephen around and keeping him satisfied, while Harvey bled him dry. It took Stephen a long time to come around to believe that maybe Harvey wasn't being straightforward. Prosecutors say that on May 4th, the two took a boat ride around the island to discuss financial matters. That boat went out on May 4th. Two people on it, Harvey and Stephen. 
two people go out, one guy comes back. I think that alone would, would have a reasonable person ready to conclude that Harvey did something to Steven. What I believe happened is Harvey told Steven, hey man, I don't have your money. I've used that money to invest in your dream. This boat right here, I've been doing this for you. And I'm sure that didn't go over. The con didn't work at that point. And I believe Steven told him, when we get back, I'm going to the police. That's when Harvey realizes he had to do something. Harvey sees an opportunity, comes up behind him, and shoots him one time in the back of the head. But Harvey's lawyers say Stephen was suicidal. Harvey even shockingly takes the stand in his own defense. Harvey said Stephen B. had been depressed, and so maybe he killed himself. People usually don't commit suicide shooting themselves in the back of the head. He was supremely arrogant, and I believe that his arrogance convinced him that he could get away with anything. But the jury sees right through him, and on November 9, 2011, they reach a guilty verdict. Harvey Morrow is sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Harvey Morrow was gonna spend the rest of his life confined and not able to hurt anybody else. That part of it was very satisfying. Although justice was served, the loss is widely felt by those who loved Stephen. I think about him all the time. And, you know, I've gotten to the point in time in, in my life now where I just really cherish the memories and remember the good times. He was a man I loved dearly. But if not for the weather, the case of Stephen B. Williams may never have been solved. I don't think it would have been prosecutable if the current didn't pick that body up and bring it back around to the front of the island where it could be found. There's a good chance that this may have remained a mystery if the marine environment hadn't been as it had to make it such that law enforcement could discover the victim. 